Before we officially start this episode of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is on the IB Sports Podcast feed. You can find that podcast network on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to uh, subscribe to be notified of all podcasts from the IB Network. We would appreciate if you would rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter and Instagram or join the Facebook group that recently hit 4,000 members. The Facebook group does have a premium membership that allows you to post without being improved by an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, levy fines, receive gambling picks from uh, actively lazy IB Yeezus himself, and much, much more. And with that, welcome to a special edition of the Team Turnbuckle podcast. Normally, my co-host is Ronald Tinsley, but instead, I have a very special guest, a legend in the IB Sports Group, Mr. Roast Day himself, Sam Howe. Sam, how you doing? I am living the dream. Living the dream. Getting used to the new normal? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm uh, going to be working, you know, I've been working from home the last three months, Um it's you know it's it's uh not a bad deal other than the fact that my gym's closed i'm sort of getting used to it so <laughs> it uh I, i'm i'm hoping 2020 ends soon because 2021 is going to be a little bit better in a lot of ways but it's like what i you know my wife always tells me you got to try to look uh both at the uh, good and bad things so uh so today we're going to do something different and I, I really do appreciate sam coming on uh to discuss this and uh i'm really shocked that RC signed off on us being able to do a Sam Punk Money in the Bank uh, podcast, but we're going to discuss his win at Money in the Bank, what led up to that. It just hit its ninth year anniversary, which makes me feel really old, Uh, but again, Sam, I appreciate you coming on doing this. Are you ready to get this thing started? Absolutely. Let's get to it. Okay, so just to kind of recap the storyline, I know everybody remembers it, but uh, this all started with the pipe bomb, which I think over time it seems like has actually became the more memorable thing instead of the money in the bank match and his victory, which I think is kind of a shame. Uh, I, I'm sure people remember, you know, he set cross uh, Indian style at the top of the ramp. I think our truth had just put John Cena through a table and he went on to, you know, call Vince McMahon a bunch of names. He said the company's going to be better when he's dead and. Uh, but that's not true because, you know, Triple H and Stephanie are doofuses and he called John Cena and every star in the company kiss asses. And uh, it led to later him sitting in the ring uh, Indian style with a megaphone, which I always remember. He got suspended when they were overseas for uh, saying a derogatory comment to a fan. Then he came back. He had his contract negotiations with Vince. And then obviously it culminated in the Money in the Bank victory, the match, which I think is, I watched it again the other night, just an unbelievable match. A lot of it's due to the crowd, but still it was just a great story. And then obviously the, you know, the moment that I think will be in the annals of, you know, wrestling history forever is him on that railing with the belt, blowing a kiss to Vince as he's literally about to leave WWE with the title. You know, nobody knew what was going on. At, at you know nine years later, what do you remember the most from that night event? The the thing that always sticks with me is that I never thought he was going to win. I thought that I thought that he was you know Punk has always been somebody who tells the truth, and I thought that the uh, you know I I 
I going back a little bit with punk, you know, that, that I grew up in Virginia. Uh, I went to school in Philadelphia at Temple. And so I was there when the first summer of punk happened. And I've been a punk mark for a long time. But the I remember I thought, well, you know, he'll 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 leave, he'll lose. You know, that's that's what they're doing. You know, that's that's the story they're telling. It's his he's on his way out. And I remember just when he won. And the you're like you said, the kissing, blowing the kiss. The other thing that I really remember is he went on to Twitter afterwards and he put the title in his fridge in Chicago. And I, I still remember that tweet where he had, you know, the, the, it was just sitting, I think he had like Diet Pepsi and like a Red Bull and, and a very sparse fridge, but I still remember it sitting there. And I just, you know, I, I went with a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends in the world, um, and my friend Doug, who I've watched wrestling with forever. Um, and he and I were at Hooters, actually. I just remember it happening and just thinking like, no way. Like, I can't, like, just the disbelief at Punk winning. And I actually, I, I rewatched the entrance. It's on YouTube. And it still gives me goosebumps when he comes down to the ring. That What was it? Uh, I think it's Jerry Lawler. That's, or maybe it was Cole that says a partisan crowd. And Jerry Lawler's like, you're really going to call this partisan? Like, <laughs> like if a World Series or a Super Bowl you know, and the Bears were, were playing at home. Uh, and just kind of to further your point, I I think this is the greatest wrestling storyline ever that blurred that line of like, is it real? Is it all a work? Like, what is going on? Because, you know, you talk about the tweet, which I remember. I believe, if I'm correct, he went to some signing or, uh, you know, it, the, wrestling festival with the belt, right? And, and nobody knew if he was with WWE or not. So that was San Diego Comic-Con and Triple H was doing a presentation and he showed up with the title and he, he sort of talked a little bit of smack and, you know, had a little bit of a back and forth with Triple H. And the, the other thing, I mean, it, some of it is, is kind of painful in hindsight because the, the sort of the, the criticisms of the, the storytelling and, and the, the problems that WWE has with main roster you know, I'll always remember uh, when Punk was doing the contract negotiation and he gets Vince to, you know, it, he says about it's about what the fans want. And Vince said, I don't give a damn what the fans want. And Punk goes, that's the problem. And that was to me like that's the thing that holds up. And and I think part of why the pipe bomb promo holds up so well is because I mean, everything that Punk said. I mean, to an extent, was exaggerated, but it was true. Um, well, not. I mean, not the not the part about Triple H. You know, the company not. No, being no, better. yeah. But you know, he talked about, and I think that's there's a lot of. I mean, the WWE does a revisionist history like no one else. Um, you know, their their history is written by the winners. But I think what gets lost in the shuffle is is that low key Punk was the MVP of that company from when he turned heel on Jeff Hardy to that point like he just got recognized for the pipe bomb but he had done that great run that he had where he actually main evented SummerSlam over um I'm trying to remember who it was who was on Raw who they were but I remember they main evented it over John Cena in LA in 09 and he and then he had the straight edge society and then he was injured at one point did commentary and then he was the new nexus and so he had just been 
really great. Like he'd been on fire and then he came out and I mean, he was justifiably bitter. You know, he was the best in the ring. He had, they just done WrestleMania where Miz had main evented with Cena and he punk had had the best match in the card against, uh, Orton. against Orton. Yeah. Which anybody who knows me, me praising Orton is, <laughs> you know, and that was, that was the feud where they had where, Punk called back to 2008 where Orton and uh, Legacy punted him and cost him the title, which, you, you know, WWE never pointed out their history. And so there was that and it was a great match. And so, like, yeah, just Punk was justifiably pissed off and he did this great promo where he's like, yeah, I'm the best in the ring, I'm best in the mic, I'm even the best on commentary. And, you know, at the time, that was the feeling was that, like, Vince is going to die and it's nothing, you know, nothing is going to change. And it's, it was, it's a great promo. I mean, he, he just had, he was so hot too. I remember ESPN was talking about it. You know, he was getting mainstream attention because it did, it grabbed people's attention. It really did. I, I've told the story. I watched wrestling. I, I grew up kind of as a, a young kid in the eighties and then, you know, a teenager in the nineties and, Obviously, you know, wrestling was awesome at that time. So I was really big into it. And then in like the early to mid 2000s, I just kind of quit watching and had honestly no desire to come back. I think the one time I kind of piqued my interest was when Sean had his retirement match. And I mean, it was after the fact I had heard, you know, Sean had been retired. So I watched a couple of episodes and then like I heard about the pipe bomb. I didn't obviously see it live. But I watched it probably 30 times on YouTube. I'm just like, I've never seen anything like this from a promo, like not in WWE. And it it got me interested in it again. And because he had that great run that followed, we were going to talk about some of the decisions that they made that were a little questionable. But still, you know, he had that really long title reign. He had some great feuds with like Jericho, Daniel Bryan, and it just it got me right back into wrestling. And it's the only reason, you know, basically now a decade later, I'm still a huge wrestling fan. But it's really amazing to see. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for what this did to change, like, WWE completely. Because I don't believe you would have your Kevin Owens, your Daniel Bryans, you know, even guys like Adam Cole being a world champion for the length that he was in NXT because, you know, Punk was a smaller guy. He didn't have this great, you know, body. And I think it also got them back to understand we got to give these guys a little bit of freedom because it mirrored, like you said, his storyline from it was ROH, right? Yeah. It was the first time, the first summer of Punk. So it, it mirrored that so much. And just, just knowing Punk, you know, it had to be a lot of his. Like, I'm sure creative was involved, but you could tell they gave him basically, we're going to give you rope. You go out there and see what you can do. And with most guys in recent, you know, history that I get frustrated with, like Roman Reigns' example, I know it's because creatives may, I mean, like Roman Reigns would not say some of the stuff that, you know, he says like sucker and succotash. And it just, I think this really changed WWE. And I love the point you made about the fans. You don't give a damn. They have listened to the fans. There's been a huge difference in WWE booking since CM Punk, where you have a guy like Daniel Bryan, you know, win the title at WrestleMania 30, because that was not the direction they were going. You have a guy like Kevin Owens and Finn Baller, you know, win world titles. Becky Lynch's run 
is another example where the fans got behind somebody that WWE might not have been like, okay, this is the guy or woman, but they trusted it because they rewarded so well from this storyline. So, and I agree with that. I do want to run it back a little <clears throat> because as I was saying, you know, uh, I like you. I grew up uh, the like the first real big thing that I remember was the Mega Powers, and I was a I was a Hulk Hogan guy. I was like three years old. My brother loved the Ultimate Warrior. I was a Hulk Hogan guy, and then I got to be a Bret Hart guy. And I was in the we had the internet early. I had it by like ninety five, and I got in was really into pro wrestling. So I ended up being like the worst kind of smart fan. Like really, like I I'm sure everyone who knows me is like not in their head. Like oh god, I can't imagine what you were like as like a teenager. But I was really like into ECW and I, I think that there was, and, and when ECW folded, I got really into ring of honor. Like I was, I'm a big Philadelphia guy. Uh, my family lived there before Virginia, before I was born. So, and I went to college there and, you know, ring of honor was, I mean, I, I can't, put, it's one of those things. Like it's kind of like ECW and I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves because it didn't have like the revolutionary story that ECW did where they changed how wrestling storytelling was told. But the, they, you know, you look at so many top guys now, you know, and you look at those rosters from like, Oh, from when they started, really, when you had Chris Daniels, uh, Daniel, Brian Danielson, low key punk, Samoa Joe, uh, Nigel McGinnis, Adam Cole, Kevin Owens, uh, El Generico, who's Sammy Zayn, Tyler Black, who's Seth Rollins. It's all these guys. And you were talking about Punk, and I think one of the real big things that he changed was Ring of Honor guys. There was sort of the ECW thing where ECW guys came to the WWE, WWF, but you, you know, Foley, Austin, guy, but they were guys who were really big from WCW. ECW guys, you, Paul Heyman was such a genius because he could take guys like the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer, who weren't really that great, but he could accentuate the positive and hide the negative. And Ring of Honor, to, before Punk, you know, London and Kendrick came to the WWE, um, the, and they sort of flopped. Um, Jamie Noble went to – he's actually the guy – I mean, the guy who ended Punk's title reign, which is I mean, sort of a knock that I have on Ring of Honor. But, you know, Punk was the guy – I remember, like, if you had said to me – you gone to me in, like, 2005 and said, okay – Who's going to be, like, give me three names of guys who are going to be huge stars in WWE someday. Just without even thinking, I would have said Samoa Joe Punk and AJ Styles. Um, and Punk came to the WWE, and he was the first real Ring of Honor guy who, like, got over and got over sort of on his own. I mean, the, the WWE, and, and that's the, you know, he was good in ECW. He was entertaining. Uh, but he was not like the guy who you watched and were like, you know, he was never seen it, but he was always the guy who you appreciated if you were a huge, you know, big hardcore wrestling fan, because he was just so interesting and so magnetic. And, and that he, was, that was Heyman, right? With EC, cause didn't he want him on ECW when he first signed with them? Cause when they tried to revive it, didn't Heyman say like, I'll take him and tried to, you know, give him a rub. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that he, uh, but my memory of it is, is that so Punk had this uh, trilogy of matches with Samoa Joe that were just unbelievable. Um, it's still, I think, Punk Joe 2 is the highest selling 
DVD in Ring of Honor history. And they were just great matches. And then Punk had the Summer of Punk. He was actually signed. You know, that's sort of the story is that he was signed by WWE and he won the title and he cut this promo where he was like, I'm actually, he turned heel and he was like, I'm going to WWE with this title. And, you know, he, he wore a suit and he signed his contract and he got to the WWE and yeah, he was a Paul Heyman guy. And I think that, you know, Heyman is just a breakaway from punk from Heyman is to me, the greatest booker in WWE in wrestling history. You know, he's a guy who you, you, could evolve. You know, the, the a lot of guys, you know, Bischoff sort of had that, you, you know, it's the every, when every, your only tool is a hammer, every problem is a nail. And so, you know, Bischoff does, he's going to do some variation of the NWO. Russo's going to do Crash TV. You guys do what they're good at. And Heyman has evolved. And I think he and Dusty were like that, where they got what made wrestling great. And, he, and Heyman had an eye for talent. And yeah, Punk was his guy. So when he – let's go back to the match. He, he, You know, he wins, and you talked about how you were surprised. I was really surprised. I, I still couldn't believe, you know, when the pay-per-view went off the air and he's just getting to the top, you know, holding the belt over his head. It's like, holy crap, he's really going to leave with the title. And I, I still don't know if this is a work, shoot, whatever. I, I loved how at the end of the match you had Vince come down to, you know, to have the Montreal screw job callback, which I kind of forgot about. Of course, Cena being the boy scout that he is, you know, goes out there and is like, not this way. Uh, and then that is obviously what cost Cena the match. Cause he gets, uh, you know, defeated literally when he gets right back in the ring. And then I loved how, you know, McMahon got on the headset and said, get Del Rio out here and just won the money in the bank and cash it in. And just, they played it perfectly. Did you think there was any chance when he left, like, has he not re-signed? Is he not coming back? Because there was no reports, no dirt sheets, no – you couldn't find anything to say that he had re-extended his contract. So my memory of it is – and I'm glad you brought up Del Rio because, again, I'm talking about revisionist history. And when Del Rio won, I thought, oh, okay, maybe, you know, they gave themselves an out. And I thought, okay, Punk's, you know, when Punk won, I was like, until I see that logo, until they go off the air, I'm not going to, you know, Del Rio's going to come out, Del Rio's going to cash in, Punk's going to leave. And when he went out and he left, no, I, I thought maybe they would do something like they did with Jeff Jarrett where he comes back on Raw. And no, I, I had no, I thought, you know, I, 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 I had a hard time believing that they would have him win if there wasn't a plan just because Vince guards that title. So jealously. I mean, they screwed Brett over that. So it's like, they had just done that, you know, still what 12 years earlier. It's like, there's no way they're letting somebody who is not on contract with the company leave a pay-per-view with the, you know, their biggest title. Yeah. And, and I just felt like the, and some of it was, is that if you know, like punk's reputation is that, he, I don't think he would have done that. You know, I, I, as pissed off as he was, I just couldn't see, you know, that was part of the shock was I was like, Oh, he's not signed. He's clearly, you know, he'll, he'll maybe he'll win and Del Rio beat him. And that'll be what we're setting up for, for SummerSlam. But I was, and that was part of it was the, and you talked about this, about going back was that the unpredictability of it was like, I was like, I need to tune in tomorrow. Cause I need to see like, okay what are they going to do with punk? What, what, you know, he's not the champion. 
you know, Cena has Cena lost semi cleanly. You know, as you pointed out, there was the with I think it was Johnny Laurinaitis who came out and Cena hit him and then Punk hit him and and then Vince gets on the mic, you know, send Del Rio down, Del Rio and Punk leaves. And you know, I still you know, yeah, no, no. I, I, I didn't I didn't think that he I thought they were gonna do something with him coming back. I didn't think that they would give him the title without him coming back. I was just but I was certainly, you know, okay, what are they going to do next? Even if I, if, and I think this is something that the WWE can get a little in its own head about is that, like, I, do you remember a few years ago when everyone was like, oh, you know, uh, Jericho is going to win the Royal Rumble. Right. And they yep. had Sheamus win it. Is that predictable isn't always bad. You know, there's storytelling tropes that we have. So if you tell the story well, predictable isn't bad. I wanted to see where they were going to go with it. So like, when Punk won, I was shocked, but I was like, okay, now I want to see what Punk's going to do. Like, I want to see where this goes. What's next? That's why sometimes I understand the people, or even WWE's position, that they brought in, you know, like TV writers and movie writers, because it's the same way. It's like all TV shows, all movie stories, they've been done. It's how you execute it and maybe make little tweaks to the story. But overall, it's the same start to finish that you see over and over again. It's just all in the execution, and I completely agree that it seems like sometimes they try to shock just to shock, and it's like you don't have to do that. Save that for something like this when it's going to mean more instead of you know making Sheamus win it and then Jericho still ends up taking on CM Punk when it's like I, I don't understand why you know both of those things – you know, you could have got Sheamus into the world title match against Brian without, you know, basically taking the steam out of Jericho, which, and let's actually move on to that. So everything leading up to the money in the bank, the conclusion of the pay-per-view, it's, it's practically like a chef's kiss for a wrestling storyline. But unfortunately there is a lot of questionable decisions following the pay-per-view. You know, for me, it starts with them coming back just two weeks later. They had the you know, the two-week title tournament, Cena beats Mysterio, and then Punk's music hits, his new music, he comes out, sets up the SummerSlam match. You know, obviously the losing to the Triple H, I think it was two months later. Where do you think they went wrong, and, like, how would you have booked it differently after, you know, they had all this momentum? So, <clears throat> the... I think that they sort of it, – it's sort of funny because I, I'm, I'm going to defend WWE and I'm going to defend Vince here is that this was all – I don't think anybody expected this to happen, obviously. Like, no one planned this. And they had The Rock Cena written in stone for Mania. Um, and as much as I would have loved Punk to be in there either year, I don't think that was ever the plan. I think that having – you know, that they were sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because if Punk goes and wrestles in New Japan or Ring of Honor or Pro Wrestling Gorilla or wherever, you know, first of all, he can't lose. So you're going to have him, you're asking these other companies to put their biggest stars to lay down for the guy from the WWE. And then if he, you know, God forbid he gets hurt because and then you're in real trouble so i get having him come back um the the whole thing with i mean even the thing with del rio where having kevin nash it, it, and from my understanding is that nash was like that was supposed to be it was nash is supposed to do it and nash was uh 
uh, like Platt Swerve be- Squad or something, right? With no. Triple H match? Wasn't it before that or was that after? Uh, Nash, it was that was years before. Nash couldn't compete. My understanding is Nash couldn't compete because his father had like a heart attack at like 50. It was actually pretty tragic. Like Nash was a kid. And so Nash was on Plavix and they couldn't clear him medically to wrestle. And so they had to scramble the. And again, this is all dirt sheet stuff when you get to Triple H, but Triple H supposedly has never liked punk. Um, there was, you know, there were stories that Triple H and HBK were watching him and were shit talking him on the monitor when Punk was in like 06. And I think that I get why, like, trip why Punk rubs Triple H the wrong way. I really do. Um, they're just very different people. And especially, I think that NXT Triple H, you know, Papa Hunter, I think that he obscures a lot of what Triple H did the decade previously (laughs) and you know triple h basically came out of semi-retirement beat punk and i think that was that's the really big indefensible thing to me is that punk was the hottest guy not just in the wwe but in all of her wrestling at that point and i don't think that's an exaggeration was the guy was white hot and they turned him into another guy when he lost to triple h and i go on no, I was going to say, I agree, and I think if you remember, it was a mess of a finish, too, because, like, weren't, like, R-Truth and Miz involved, and, I mean, there was a ton of people. If I remember, there was a ton of, like, interference, and it was just a really dusty finish, and, again, it's like, so if you're that worried about protecting Punk, you understand how important this is. Why not just have him win? Because it wouldn't, you know, I always get that way with a really big name. It's like, it's not going to hurt Triple H to lose that match. Right. I agree with you that it's like it, it is going to hurt Punk, like, and it did. It seemed like he never really got quite back the momentum that he had going into that match because it was still white hat even after SummerSlam, where they did the you know it's it's becoming more and more common. But you know he beats Cena this time again. It's basically clean, but not totally clean. And then right after it, you know Nash comes out, Del Rio cashes in, and. uh it was it was still white hot, and then it's like what you said with the Triple H. It, it just it was kind of over. I do wish they would have waited two more weeks for him coming back because when he came back, there was three weeks before SummerSlam, and I understand they have to promote these things, and I know they want to sell them. And by him coming back like the last Monday before the pay per view, that only gives you six days to sell pay per views and all that. But this storyline was so hot that. I just think by going two more weeks, it's just more people like me and you and every other wrestling fan, you know, reading internet articles, blog posts, whatever, just trying to find out, well, wait a minute, is this real? Like, is this not a work? And I just think it would have made it mean even more at SummerSlam because it was just like Cena won the title. And then on the same night, they're like, okay, now it's title for title. We have, you know, the the interim champ versus the guy that's the real champ. And I just feel like two weeks, because I went and checked. They had three weeks in between when he came back and SummerSlam. I just wish they would have waited two more weeks. I think it would have been a lot more effective. The other, <laughs> the other thing that I think gets a little obscured here, and it's, it's one of my common you know, beefs with the WWE now, is that they're much more about tell, don't show. So, like, Cena beats like, – didn't Cena get a buy into the finals? And, yeah, and he beat Mysterio. Yeah, so he beats Mysterio, and like we're supposed to believe like John Cena is such a good guy, 
and he beats a guy for the title basically who's wrestled like that's a heel move and i i just there were times where i felt like the wwe didn't do any favors to john cena in terms of getting him you know and, and it's one of it's i i guess i'm in the minority of it like kids aren't going to care kids care about who wins and that's who they were booking towards but i think that yeah if they'd done maybe the next week if punk had come back and you had an extra two weeks um i think that if you had uh and and i the real problem with punk losing to triple h was okay he loses to del rio and that's that's fine he's still like he's still special you know, he still beats cena twice in an era where no one beats cena twice right and then it was okay this is who punk is like we're going back to we're gonna do the same thing that we always do which is the punk is the same guy that he was when he was uh doing the straight edge society you know he's the top of the you know he, he's a top guy i guess but he's not the top guy or a top guy because it's never I, that's another thing is that I, I i sort of push back in so it's very rarely a single top guy and i think that like even if cena was their top guy you can have punk up there as one of the top guys and they you just sort of got the sense okay triple h comes out of semi-retirement Beats him with like three pedigrees and a bunch of interference. And so, okay, he's just, he's another WWE guy. He's back to being part of the roster. And, and I don't think that was necessarily an accident. I think that after Brock, Vince wanted to make sure the WWE was the, the draw of the event, not a single guy. And so I think that Cena and Punk, you know, like Punk talks about that, where he talks about, I'm just a spoke in the wheel. And that wheel is going to keep turning even after I'm gone. And I think that's always been sort of the, since 04, since Brock left, the WWE's goal is that you come, you don't come to Barnum and Bay, you don't go to the circus to see the ringmaster. You go to see the circus and that's the WWE wants. But I think that for a lot of people, like that was why we were excited about it was it felt different. And for Punk to come back and then it was like, okay, well, this is what it is. And he was still special. Like he was still, I think he's the only guy since like 04 to outsell Cena in merchandise. I bought and, that shirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have the best in the world shirt. Um, the, I remember, did you ever hear the story? You know, that everyone thought it was going to be a one-time shirt. He wore it to uh, Money in the Bank and it has like a very, it's I think seven seventeen eleven on it. And, right. and he wore it down there and I think they sold it at the event and like, they were going for big money on eBay after that. Cause no one ever thought people thought that you weren't going to be able to get that shirt. And then they just come back. It, it, it was his first shirt, correct. That he, uh, he had when he came back. Cause he wore that for, it was almost like a year. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think you weren't, well, he had some other ones. Like there was the, um, uh, I feel like there was like a GI Joe type logo, um, because he does have the Cobra. Sh- uh, but I feel like that, but that was the big one. Like that was the like I think it's the same thing with Austin three sixteen, where it was like you had other shirts, but everyone knows the Austin three sixteen shirt. Right, it's like the Daniel Bryan yes shirt. You know, yeah. he's had all these shirts since then, but almost everybody either had the yes or you know the Tate no over the yes. Uh, let's talk about the match for a minute because I really think I said it earlier that it's kind of. I don't want to say been forgotten, but just 
I mean, it's 40 minutes, you know, from start to finish. If you watch the promo, which I tell people, it's still what WWE does better than anybody is that little three minute package, you know, summarizing what got us to here. And it's just incredible. I mean, it's awesome. The crowd's unbelievable. Both guys are great. I love that, you know, Cena kind of, you know, played the heel in this. And I think that's some of his best matches, like against RVD at the, you know, one night only, I think ECW pay-per-view in like 06, where it's like, okay, this crowd's against me. I'm going to basically just work heel for most of the match. Uh, I think it is Cena's best match. If you, you know, take away maybe the HBK match on Raw. I mean, I know he's had some other good ones, but I definitely think this was their best match together. And I mean, what do you remember? What stands out the most just about the match itself? Uh, Cena, yeah, I think that it's the... I. So one of the things that stands out about it is that I'm trying to, I'm actually looking up now the, it was five. I remember that it got five stars and Meltzer has gotten a little bit, you know, more lenient with five stars, but my memory was that it was like the first five star. Yeah. It was the first five star match in five years in North America. Um, and my memory of it is that it, 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 I'm with you is that I think that some of it is the crowd. I think that some of it is that Cena gets it. I think that some of it is is that Cena and Punk are just incredible pro wrestlers. Right. Uh, and there you had the crowd. You had uh, Punk and Cena playing to the crowd. I, you know, I remember... I, it's funny is that the ending is what I remember the most. But where Cena and... Where... where uh, Johnny uh, Laurinaitis comes down and uh, Cena goes and hits him and, and uh, Punk hits to go to sleep and he pins and, and, and I just remember and I remember how it made me feel honestly because I remember every pinfall like I think didn't Cena hit an AA and Punk kicks out yeah he hit two of them and I think it was the second one where I was like oh, okay that's it and, and I just remember losing my mind and like Oh, like, like literally, like the, the the kind of fan reaction that you see in the the package, and that, and again, I'm by the way, I'm with you. The WWE can make anything look epic. Like they could make, you know, uh, Great Kali look like the biggest, you know, most epic killer in the world, and they just do that better than anybody. And I remember the video packages around it. You know, I remember the the music. Do I have to your it. attention now? That was my favorite now. You know, it's like, it's punk on the market. Do I have your attention now? Uh, it was like playing through the entire promo package. And, and with with like a violin. Yeah. And it, it, what's weird is, is that it almost felt like they wanted punk to be seen as a heel for what he was doing. And the rest of the, like, everyone else was like, no, not, not really. We're, 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 we're with punk. Um, but yeah, that was my, my memory of it is, was like punk kicking out and more like the emotion of it for me. And losing it when he won, and then when the pay per view went off the air, when you saw that WWE logo and the, and then you, like he left with it, and just like I more how it made me feel than any specific spots. But what about you? I mean, that's what when wrestling's at its best, it's it's really not even so much about what's going on. It's just about how it makes you feel, and I I completely agree with you. It just the whole time thinking he's gonna lose, he's gonna lose. I mean, you talk about the two attitude uh, adjustments he gave him. 
you know, he put him in the, his, you know, STFU or whatever it is, his, his submission move in the middle of the ring for like almost a minute and a half, which you never see heels hang on that long, you know, punk like crawled to the, the rope and finally got it to where he had to break it. Uh, and just at the end of it, just shock, like, and being exhausted. Like I was just like, I cannot believe all the emotions a wrestling match just put me through. And again, I had not been involved in wrestling in almost a decade and just started watching like three, four weeks earlier. And it's like, they took me through this. I couldn't imagine the people that had really been following, you know, both of these guys, you know, for years, because that I know that was also in the package was how Punk said, and it was a great line to Cena. He goes, you know, you've become what you hate. You're the man. You're the New York Yankees. Because he was. He was like a 13-time champion. You know, he had become the staple of WWE. And then for Punk to be this almost outsider and just to get to that point, it it, it just was, I mean, it, it's probably my favorite storyline. If you end it after the title win with him leaving, uh, ever and the only one that we would put you know to, to me i'd put close with it is what you've already mentioned which was the mega powers explode which i think that's just i mean you want to talk about a perfect storyline it goes on for a year and it's just perfect because you can see seeds of it like being older going back and watching it where they have these little moments uh but it's you know and i've, I've been really thinking about this last couple of days before i ask you this i think that punk is seen as greatest rival and vice versa, which is, I think it's just the styles, you know, the way they kind of mix are such different people, uh, you know, and I'm talking about in real life and their wrestling characters. Do you think they're, they're each, each other's greatest rivalries? And that's why it's a shame they didn't have a mania match, because I think if they do, they would be remembered with some of the greatest rivalries ever. And I worry because there's not that mania moment, which is typically what people think of when you think of a certain rivalry i just don't know if it's you know considered that way so that's a great question i think actually and and one thing that i wish i i think that it's easy to get the you know, nostalgia is a funny thing and hindsight and all that jazz um cena has a lot of guys like cena and edge were great um mm-hmm. cena and but you know, yeah, I, I, and people say Orton. Um, I obviously don't because I'm. I mean, again, I just have an irrational thing with Randy Orton. And it's my <laughs> thing. And but yeah, I think that Cena and Punk were so great. I, yeah, I think that you know, if, if you were to ask me who would who would it be, I think that the great thing about Cena and Punk, I actually, I think that what's interesting is there. You were talking about like different people out of the ring. I actually think that a lot of like. I think they're both actually really good people. Um, I think, but I think that the sort of the representation, I think that they were so what you said in terms of you had punk who came up through ring of honor and Ida or IWA mid South to ring of honor to OVW. And then, you know, Cena who was just like sort of a failed bodybuilder and was like, I guess I'll wrestle. And, you know, Cena was the guy who was sort of smiley and, you know, Cena. He's re- a company man. He's yeah. always been good to events and vice versa. Yeah, and I think that Cena. Yeah, I think that Cena. It, it's a very, and I think that for the era that they were in, it was great in terms of Cena was the company man. Cena was the guy who was like, well, doing the right thing, 
you know, this guy gave me an opportunity. Whereas Punk was like, I like, yeah, he gave you an opportunity. I like, he talks about having to grab Vince's imaginary brass rings. And I think that Cena was like, it's funny. Wasn't he the prototype in OVW? Yep. Yeah. It's funny that that's because like, I think if you were to create a wrestler in a lab who Vince McMahon would want to be his guy, it would be John Cena. And I think that if you were to, you know, and, and I think that people sort of don't give credit to the fact that, like, John Cena, people, you know, people, oh, he was pushed down everyone's throats, Super Cena, yada, yada, yada. But, like, there's a reason for that. Like, Cena was a great wrestler. Cena never embarrassed the company. Cena sold merch. Uh, He's Cena, unbelievable on the mic. Unbelievable on the mic. Like, people don't give him credit. He can cut a promo. Yeah. And I, I think that he got, you know, very much a company man. And I think the problem, but then you had somebody like CM Punk, who really was like the they talk about i hate the voice the voices but like he really was the guy who like for and i think that the the idea that the internet you know fans like the ring of honor like the people who embraced punk like really like i'm still a fan of cm punk as a person like i there are people who crap on him for trying to do mma and i'm like you know this is a guy who could have mailed it in who could have made a lot of money. I mean, way more money doing what he wanted to do and, you know, just sort of like whatever, phoning it in and doing a half-assed job in the WWE. He quit and he went and he did like chase the dream. So I actually have a lot of respect for Punk for, and, and I remain like, he's never, you know, as a wrestler, as somebody who is a fan of his, he's never let me down. And I, I, that's a big, you know, I'm a huge fan of his as, as a person as well as a wrestler. I've never understood that. It's like, I think that's what we all probably should expire for in our life is getting to a position in our life where we can chase our dreams. It's like he gave up something that's very lucrative that he wasn't happy with to do something he really wanted to. And yeah, he failed. Okay. So, but at least he tried, you know what I mean? And he gave it a chance and, you know, 10, 20 years from now, he's not going to look back and go, man, I wish I would have, you know, tried to do MMA. I, I thought it was ridiculous. So do you think he, I, I, I guess they say never say never in wrestling. I do find it hard to believe to ever see Punk in the ring, but do you think he ever comes back to WWE even for just one more match? WWE, no. I don't think, I can't, you know, only if he, you know, I think he's like 42 now. Um, or he'll be 42 in October. I think that he is, I, I, you know, he's not somebody, he, he made enough money. Like he talked about that in that very famous Colt Cabana podcast. He never has to work again. He still makes money doing other stuff. Uh, I think that he would have to want to come back. I could see him maybe in AEW, maybe. Like, I feel like he's going to do something really, like if he comes back, he's going to do something in New Japan or, like, he's not going to do something in the WWE. Like, he's going to do something that's for him. And there's going to be somebody that he's like, wow, I really want to wrestle that guy. And somebody who he's excited for. And that's what he would come back for. But no, I don't ever see him coming back for a match in the WWE. The WWE, uh, I, I just can't see it. The only thing I will say is, you know, what do they say? Back up the uh, the, the bank truck. I could see them for a mania, especially whether it be next year, the year after, you know, times are tough in WWE and I, I give them, 
not as much grief as other people because it's got to be so hard uh, to book a show right now with no crowd because a crowd is just such a big part of it. And they may just really want to get that buzz, you know, that momentum back when we can get back to where we have audiences. And I could just see them say, we're going to throw some ridiculous figure at you and you can pick anybody on the roster that you want to have a match with. And, you know, I might could see him doing something with, say, Daniel Bryan or even a John Cena, you know, or AJ Styles or something. But I'm with you that I don't think it's likely, but I've just learned, you know, if the Ultimate Warrior came back with all that bad blood and was put in the Hall of Fame, I mean, Vince has proved that, yeah, he holds grudges, but when it comes to making money, he's, he's going to work with anybody. I think it's actually – I thought it's like – I think that first of all, he would need to for, for punk to come back. I could see him. And I, I actually, I say this, I'm going to hedge on it. I could see punk coming back for a WrestleMania main event. Uh, but I also don't know if, because he's so rigid in his like principles that I could see him not wanting to come back and take that spot from somebody, you know, as a part-timer, but I could see him, you know, coming back to, to do a main event. Cause he said that was, you know, he talked about that in the Colt Cabana. This is one um, regret, right? Yeah. Yeah. As he didn't get to main event in WrestleMania. But I mean, if you look at it, I would be like, it'd be cool for him to come back to the WWE, but he's, you know, he's come back a couple times. Like he, he showed up to like an indie Chicago show under a mask and did I a did run in that, <laughs> which, like, so do I think he would come back full time? I, I just, you know, especially if he's, he's taken some hellacious in, injuries, you know, he fractured his skull when he was wrestling. Yeah, on that the terrible staff infection, right? Which was what the lawsuit was about that. I mean, he said it, if it had been much longer, he could have died from it. Yeah. And I, I, so do I think he'll come back? I don't, and I don't think it would be about money. I think that if he, you know, I, I think that if he got the itch to wrestle again, um, I think that one thing is people need to like, like, I think that people asking him about it all the time, like, I, I think that, I don't think that it would be money. I really don't. I think that he would do it if it was something that interested him or if there was somebody, you know, like if he had the chance and I, it's interesting. Cause I think that he, he might be willing to do it to put somebody over in the mania main event. Like one of the young guys. Maybe yeah. that reminds them of him or, or whatever. Yeah, so somebody, not – no, go ahead. Somebody thinks needs the rub. So um, nine years later, has anything changed in your viewpoint about the storyline, the match, this moment? Uh, yes. Um, the At the time, I remember thinking that this was a turning point, that it was a – you know, a real moment that we were going to start maybe a new golden age, um, that we were going to get a new attitude era or new rock and roll, you know, something where punk was going to be the top guy and that we were going to see wrestling get more mainstream acceptance. And I think, it, as you said, I think it did have somewhat of an effect because you had guys like Adam Cole, Daniel Bryan, um, that sort of thing who got pushed in a way that they wouldn't have prior to that. I think that there was more of an acceptance of indie guys, guys who were seen as indie guys. Um, I think that, but as it stands, it, it's, yes, it's not really a huge turning point in terms of the history of the business, 
But for me, it's a moment where it, it's my fav- one of my two favorite wrestlers of all time and having a moment and, and, and an indelible one in the history of pro wrestling. Like that you can't take that, you know, from the 17th, you know, I think it was the, the 17th of June, or 27th of June, where he cut that promo to the 17th. Like you can't take that away from being one of the most compelling periods in pro wrestling. That's exactly what I was about to say is that I knew it was obviously big for people like me and you who are punk fans or, you know, really big wrestling fans, but I saw it everywhere. I mean, ESPN, like, you know, especially like on social media and stuff, all these people were sharing, you know, nine years ago today. So it's just a lot bigger moment in wrestling history. I think you could argue with maybe the exception of Daniel Bryan's run up to WrestleMania 30 and winning, it's the biggest wrestling moment in like the last, I mean, you could maybe go back 15, 20 years uh, if you're taking Daniel Bryan out of it because there's just kind of a lot of like good storylines, but not anything that it's like, man, that was really different. And it was the same deal with the Daniel Bryan deal. The It's funny that you say that because I was going to say, I think that it's the, the storyline wise, I might agree with that. I think that, you know, you, you have to unfortunately throw things up like the Benoit situation. And as one of those where like that was hugely impactful, but yeah, I think that the, the, those, like there are storylines that people like that are just too, like people aren't going to forget. Like when you hear pipe bomb snap, you, you know exactly what you're thinking of. You know exactly what we're talking about. So is there anything that we didn't cover you want to? uh no not really well we have uh just recapped went back over again it was nine years ago i guess it was what two or three days ago was the nine-year anniversary friday it was the nine-year anniversary uh which i mean it is it's a moment that it got me back into wrestling so on top of it just being one of my favorite storylines ever and punk has become one of my favorite wrestlers ever it just got me back into something that I loved as a child. I love it now. Even when I bitch and moan about it, I love it. Or I wouldn't keep coming back well, and it, watching this stuff. But that's some of that is, is that like, I complain because I care. Like I, exactly. like, no, that's fair. Yep. And you know, the, the, the WWE are, I mean, I don't even know if you can argue this has the deepest roster that it's ever had just from a work rate potential. And you know one thing you said earlier about you know the how hard it is to book a show i agree with you but they could also use you know you don't have to fill it up like if they were to use that production staff and have hours of like hey these are the like we're going to use our production staff to get these guys over and to get make them look fantastic that's something that you could do that you didn't necessarily have to endanger people but that's just my two cents um actually I was just going to say real quick, because I think that that's something I've gone back and watched a lot of the old stuff from like the eighties and early nineties, because again, I was so young, you know, I now remember it, but it's just watching it from different eyes. Obviously they did so many backstage interviews and promos where they're not putting the guy on a microphone in front of a live crowd or a live audience. They're, they're really thinking about what they're saying, you know, building a character off screen even though, you know, it's on television. And, and I think that you're absolutely right that they could really help out because we've talked about how good they are with these video packages. Do stuff like that. And in that way, I would rather see that than Ricochet wrestle 
and, you know, 25 meaningless tag team or singles matches that I'm going to forget about the second they're over, he might have a good promo or something that it's like, oh, that guy's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely think that would that would help them a lot in building these guys up. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. The other thing I would say is is that if uh, it was, would be to recommend that people see, I don't know if Ring of Honors, if they're still selling the old DVDs of – uh, that era, they're sort of their golden era, but there is, if you can look on Amazon or eBay, is that the the stuff that Punk did there, and it's not just Punk, like there's so much great wrestling, but like if you can get the Punk versus Joe trilogy, um, like Samoa Joe at that point is not, uh, you know, fortunately hurt his back, but he was like one of the best wrestlers in the world. I think that he had something like three five-star matches in a 12-month period and like so yeah i definitely you know check that out um if you're if you're a fan of of punks if you're a fan of uh wrestling right yeah yeah definitely uh so one other thing before we get out of here and i hope that you're going to be able to help us some on this and come back on the podcast to do this we're getting ready to do a kind of march madness of wrestlers all-time wrestlers uh it's going to be a bracket of 64 we're trying to put together right now the guys into one through 16 in each bracket but uh we definitely will be posting that to the ivy sports pages on facebook instagram twitter um and i would love it if you could come back you know when we we start kind of going through this because i'm very interested to see kind of what the group thinks you know, or, or how they vote, because, you know, with the NBA players and stuff, you know, some of the other ones we've done, you kind of know where it's going, right? Mm-hmm. With wrestling, I'm very intrigued to kind of see, like, who are going to be the final eight guys, you know, standing, or, or even, you know, the, the final four, I don't think is set in stone, because I think you can argue there's 10, 15 guys that, you know, there, there's basically four or five guys that I think if you're just saying who are the greatest wrestlers of all time, you pretty much have to list them, but I mean, I know like Macho Man Randy Savage is one of my favorite ever, and nobody ever talks about him as one of the top four or five wrestlers of all time. But if I'm voting, say, for him against like Hogan or honestly even The Rock, I'm probably going with the Macho Man. So it's going to be really interested to see kind of how this plays out. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 yes, I agree with you. And I think that some of it is, is that what the criteria is, because for me, if we're just going by, uh, in ring, for example, then yeah, the the best is to me uh, is Shawn Michaels. But if you want to go for you know we you do we could talk about who drew who could cut promos you know the, there's other stuff and I and I I have to take my my fan hat off some of this because. I'm I I'm who I'm a fan of is not necessarily who I think is the greatest. See, but that's actually I hope that we do make it just put your fan hat on because I'm just really interested to see because you know these guys obviously all grew up in different eras and stuff. You know, a lot of them never even faced off or you know really interacted. But you know, and again, you talk about nostalgia is a funny thing, and I'm sure that plays a part. But it's just interesting to see because I mean, I I think wrestling because it's not like you know, basketball or football or something, I kind of get on people when they like hammer somebody because of their opinion because they think, you know, so-and-so. Now, if you're saying that 
you know, I don't know, Roman Reigns is the best technical wrestler in the history of, you know, wrestling. Okay, you deserve to get blasted. But if you're saying Roman Reigns is your favorite wrestler ever and, you know, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, you know, I feel like that that's what makes this business thrive is you can like whoever you want. And I'm just really interested to see when you have, like, say, the Ultimate Warrior, Sting, Macho Man, Brett the Hitman Hart, Undertaker, Ric Flair, like, and you have a couple hundred people voting on it. Who are they going to select? Because I don't really think there is a right or wrong answer. And I'm just more than anything, just intrigued to see how it, it plays out. I am too. And, and I, you know, and, and I'm going to, I might stir the pot a little bit. Not going to, I have no doubt you will stir the pot a little bit, but uh, I really do appreciate you, Sam, coming on and doing this. Uh, if it's cool, we'd love to have you back uh, on other episodes in the future. I'd love to have you on uh, with me and Ron L one of these weeks too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you one more thing? Are you watching at stream rules tonight? Uh, it starts at seven, right? Yep. I think it'd probably be like a three hour one. Cause the cards only, I think six or seven matches. Yeah. I'm going to try. Are you excited about either Seth Rollins or Ray Mysterio having a CGI pulled out tonight? Um, you know, I have to be honest with you. I'm more excited for the cinematic that they're going to do with Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Um, just because those like the, as kind of like a film nerd, the uh, the uh, what should we call it? The the Firefly Funhouse match in WrestleMania is it's one incredible. of the most. Yeah, like it, it's like that. It, there's such a Venn, a small Venn diagram where I'm in the middle of for that. Like just all the storytelling that it did. It was and, fantastic. Yeah, and so I'm excited to see what they do with that. So I don't know if you listened last week, Ron L said, and I cannot get this out of my head since that since this is a non-title match, Bray's going over, which I think we kind of all predict. But what it's going to be is he is going to turn Braun back into his stable, making Braun the monster that I think we all agree he's been better as a heel than a face. And then Bray is going to be the one controlling or leading him. He doesn't necessarily have to be at the performance center to do that. And I was just like, Ron L, I think you just booked this match. I, I really hope that's the direction that they're going. It'll be interesting because I think that, that that's going to set up SummerSlam. I think that that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be – I think that you have to do that just because you need to f- have some freshened up storyline to be like, hey, now we're going to do this. Well, Sam, I really appreciate it. Um, we will post this as soon as I can get it uploaded And this has, again, been a very special edition of the Team Turnbuckle podcast on the IB Sports podcast feed where we discuss CM Punk's victory at Money in the Bank. Again, thank you to Sam Howell, and we will see you guys soon. Take care, guys. And sign up for – become a supporter through Patreon. Become a – Absolutely. Yeah. All-stars pay. Take care, Sam. Take care. See you, buddy.